0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: 1 Samuel 23:15. Imagine if you were the target of a ma- of a nationwide manhunt and the leader of that nation was trying to kill you. And every day you were just trying to find a place to hide. What kind of existence is this? Is this ever going to end? And I want you to notice something beautiful that happens in your Bible. The Bible says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and he went to David at Horesh. Isn't it interesting? Saul can't seem to find David, but Jonathan can find him.
0: <laughs> I mean, you would think that Saul had more
1: resources than Jonathan did, Right? But Saul's son arose. David, uh, he went to David at Heresh, and here's the beautiful thing, and he encouraged him in God. If you have the NIV, it says, he went to David at Heresh and he helped him find strength in God. You know, these are two brothers that we've seen. They've made an incredible covenant with one another, and you got to think of who Jonathan is. Jonathan's now risking his life. He knows his dad's tried to kill him a couple of different times. But he has this uh, covenant that he's made with David. David is his brother in the Lord. He's his good friend. And so just when you're at your lowest point sometimes, have you noticed somebody will come along? You almost get the idea, reading between the lines, that Jonathan was prodded by God. You need to go to David and go to him now. Have you ever been there before? Maybe you've been on both ends. Maybe you've been on the end where you got prodded. You know, you, There's a friend of yours that's in trouble tonight. And maybe you hit the email, or you, you made a phone call, or you just showed up. Maybe you've been on the other end where you've been at a low in your life, and all of a sudden somebody who lo- you know loves you and you love them just showed up. And they didn't just show up. <laughs> right? Or... You hear stories where people say, you know, at that very moment when something significant happened in your life, the Lord prompted me to pray for you, or he woke me up in the middle of the night. I mean, that's just our God. And so here's Jonathan, and he goes to his brother, and he encourages him in God. Now, let me ask you a question, just to get real. If you found your way out to the desert, and you knew that your good friend had a hit on their life, what kind of encouragement would you come up with? Dude, it's going to get better.
0: (laughs) Give me more. (laughs) Well, the accommodations can't get
1: worse. I know that. Let's see. uh, There's a scripture somewhere. God works all all things together. (laughs) Right? Sometimes to encourage somebody, we don't even know what to do. But let me give you just a few things. There was encouragement just by the fact that Jonathan showed up. Sometimes we think we have to come up with this incredible thing, you know, to to tell somebody, all right, you know, we rehearse it when we're driving. Lord, give me the words to say. And just the fact that you showed up was enough. If Jonathan wouldn't have said anything, I think David just probably had to have his heart flooded with warmth and encouragement just to see Jonathan walk up. Have you ever been there before? Somebody just shows up. They don't even have to say anything. Just their presence. But there's more. Because Jonathan says to David, don't be afraid. Because the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You will be king over Israel. And I will be next to you. And Saul, my father, knows that also. He showed up. He reminded David of God's promise. He told them, in light of what we know, don't be afraid. You know, how many times can you guys say, and I know you're all pretty serious students of the Bible, how many times can you say the phrase, do not be afraid, shows up in the Bible? I mean, if you hit a concordance, it will show up over and over and over again. And on what authority could I say to you, don't be afraid? The only way I could say that to you is if I'm standing on the promises of God with you. And David's got a promise. He's the anointed one. He's going to be king and Jonathan knows it. And think of who Jonathan is. Jonathan was next in line to have the throne and he stepped aside because he realizes that David is God's man. And we're told, don't be afraid. John says, when I saw him, Revelation 117, I fell at his feet as a dead man and he laid his right hand upon me and he said, Don't be afraid, I am the first and I am the last. Some of us just need to hear that afresh tonight, don't be afraid. Jesus said it to his disciples, don't be afraid, it is I. Jesus said it to Saul when he had just been threatened in Corinth and Jesus said, don't be afraid, keep on speaking, don't be silent, I'm with you. We are told um, of encouragement. Write this down. This is Romans 15:4 through 6. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. That with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Romans 15, Four through six, God gives an encouragement. How does He give it mainly through the scriptures, sometimes through a friend, sometimes just through the encouraging presence of who He is? and so the two of them, and I want to just give you really quick, just to plant this in your mind for a second. David's going to get unexpected encouragement from a friend and he's going to get unexpected encouragement from a location that he's going to run into at the end of this message so the two things that he was really wrestling with, God's going to deal with. Now, the two of them, 18, made a covenant before the Lord. I think this is just reaffirming what they had already done. And David sta- stayed at haresh while Jonathan went to his house. So Jonathan left, and uh, David stayed at Horesh, and the two reaffirmed their commitment to each other, their love for each other. I think it was something like this. Listen, brother. Don't you give up. I am here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stand by your side through thick and thin. Let's trust the Lord's promises together. No matter how difficult things are. No matter how hard things appear. And even if we face the ultimate difficulty, right? We we face something that in this life doesn't even get worked out. What do we know? We have the hope of what? heaven and the resurrection of believers. Then Ziphites 19 came up to Saul at Gibeah saying, is David not hiding with us in the strongholds at Horesh, a king? We've got some good news on the, look at how specific they are on the hill of Hakala, which is on the south of Jeshimon. Jeshimon means waste or desert. Hey, we've got a location, king. We know you've put the flyers out. Can I have the reward? We know where he is. we got him
0: pinpointed.
1: Now then, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to do so. It's been on every talk show. You want this guy. Okay, here he is. And our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. Let's make sure we protect our city. We know how crazy this guy is. And Saul said, may you be blessed of the Lord. <laughs>
0: God bless you, brother. Are you told where the guy is I'm going to kill. God bless you. You know, when you hear people say, God bless you, that's not always an indicator that they're a very spiritual person. God bless you. I don't know. It could mean something good and it may mean nothing at all. God bless you. Now I can kill him.
1: <laughs> wow. Anyway. He says... Now be blessed to the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Thank you for pitying the poor old king. I just want to kill him. Go now, make more sure. I've gotten information before. I've gotten intel. It's not always been right on point. It always, hasn't always delivered. I tell you what, go now, make more sure. Investigate and see his place where his haunt is. And who has seen him there? I want some confirmation. I'm a little tired. For I'm told that he is very cunning. Go, go, just make sure, just verify. Take a couple pictures and then get back to me. So look and learn about all the hiding places where he hides himself. I want to know everything. Return to me. Tell me if he's got a pet, anything. <laughs> I added that. <laughs> Return to me with certainty and I will go with you and shall come about, it shall come about if he is in the land that I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. Then they arose and they went, went to Ziph before Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon in the Arabah to the south of Jeshimon. So we get the details now and when Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David and he came to the rock and stayed there. There may be a natural kind of uh, a formation there called the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon and when Saul heard it, so he's got his intel now, he pursued David in the wilderness of Mahon. Now things are going to quickly turn. And Saul went on the side of the mountain. He's now found his location. He's got his army. They're probably doing some military type tactics where they're climbing up one side of the mountain, maybe spreading out to encircle David and his men. And here they are on one side and they're close. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. You know, the victory may have been his again. He was more uh, efficient militarily apparently than Saul and quite a fighter, but... He just tried to hurry away. For Saul and his men were surrounding David and his men to seize them. Uh, So here it looks like things are finally going to come to a head. Here it looks like game over. It's done. There's going to be a confrontation. But a messenger came to Saul saying, 27, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid on the land. Ironic, isn't it? David the Philistine conqueror was Saul's target and now... A messenger, and you got to see this. It's the providential hand of God. Right when it looks like David's going to be captured, God protects him, and he does something that Saul couldn't re- couldn't refuse. Saul thought maybe well the national interests are in jeopardy. I've got to go back, and he leaves, and he does not grab David, and God delivers David. Have you ever been there before? Something that you would might call uh, you know circumstantial, and you look back, and you know. You say, that was the Lord. The Lord delivered me from that situation. And so the message came. There's a raid on the land. So Saul returned from pursuing David. Man, he was so close. And he went to to meet the Philistines. Therefore, they called the place the rock of escape. Isn't that cool? Uh, This may actually, if you have an NIV, it says, Selah, that second word is hamakalat, which may be more, uh, better translated, the rock of division or the rock of parting. But whatever it really means, I'm being buffeted by a messenger of Satan up here. There's a fly after me. Anyway, <laughs> David marked this spot. And you've got to, sometimes in your life, when you know God's providential hand has helped you, Pretty good to mark that spot, right? Mark that moment, maybe somehow memorialize that. And David did that. Now, we're going to do a couple things before we close. There was a psalm written at this point. Psalm 54. Would you turn there? Psalm 54. I want you to know something about the psalms. and, And I think you've been picking this up as we've gone through 1 Samuel. Many of the psalms were written in the difficult days of David's life while he was going through the pain on his way to the throne. This is when he pins some of these incredible, poignant psalms that many of us hold on to. If you look at the heading of Psalm 54, it says, For the choir director on stringed instruments, a maskil of David, when the Ziphites came and said to Saul, Is not David hiding himself among us? Look at what David writes at this moment. He says, Save me, O God, by thy name. Vindicate me by thy power. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Violent men have sought my life. They have not set God before them. Selah. That's a pause and a meditation. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. He will recompense the evil to my foes. Destroy them in thy faithfulness. Willingly I will sacrifice to thee. I will give thanks to thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all trouble, and my eye has looked with satisfaction upon my enemies. All of a sudden, you know, uh, at what precise moment this was written, I don't know, but in the heat of life's difficulty and battles, David pens this beautiful psalm. He reflects on God's goodness, on God's deliverance. And as we come to the last verse of 1 Samuel 23, I told you about a person, and I'm going to tell you about a place, and I'm going to show you where David ended up. Look at your Bible, 1 Samuel 23, 29 says, And David went up from there and stayed in the strongholds of En Gedi. Now, uh, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, and some of you have, in, by the Dead Sea, in the area where they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's uh, many areas that look like this, and there are many caves that are located there, many what you would call hiding places. Maybe a little difficult to see, but right here, there is what's called an oasis in the desert. When you're going through this area, it's really kind of bizarre because it's all, it's the Judean wilderness. It's the southern part of Israel, where the Sea of Salt is. And when you are traveling there, you look around and it's just barren wilderness. And this is where David spent a lot of his time. He's running from salt. But then all of a sudden you see this green growth in the wilderness, in the desert. And it's this incredible place called En Gedi. And as you start to go in there, you see Ibex. This is a pretty common sighting in the areas of En Gedi. And you, you make your way up through, there's boulders and little caves and that kind of thing, crevices all around. And you see this incredible sight. There's a spring up there somewhere and it runs down into several waterfalls and you find this place called Engedi. It's an oasis right in the midst of the wilderness. And there's a funny looking guy standing on the rock. I did not go swimming. But I'll tell you what, uh, one of the highlights of this trip for me personally was I got to preach from this location. And I began to share about what En Gedi means. En Gedi is this beautiful, unexpected oasis in the desert. And if you were David, um, you can see, you know, you're kind of looking out from a little cave right here. And you'll find things like this all over the place where you could hide with multiple people. But you find this oasis in the desert. It's this unexpected surprise. Here you are, hiding, running around, you know, wondering if you're gonna live or die. You've got all this pressure on you. You've had a friend come and encourage you, and then you end up at a place called Engedi. Engedi literally means the spring of the kid. It's an o- oasis in the barren western shore. Of the Dead Sea, it could be rendered the fountain of the wild goat. And I think that's because you see the ibex that are there. And David ended up at a place where he had to feel that God had custom made it for him. Refreshment or oasis in the desert. I think that the message at the end of this message is this. Sometimes when you're on the run in life and you're feeling barren and dry, and you're like, man, can life get any lower? Can it get any worse all of a sudden you find this place where you find water and life? And you know, in the Bible, in Hebrew thought, we think we tend to think in bullet points as Westerners, we think in you know sentences and that kind of thing, but in in the mind of the Jew, they think in pictures. And for them God is like water. You can't have life without water, and and you know, Jesus talked about the living waters that would flow into our life through the Holy Spirit. They would become torrents. You know, they would become springs of water. And the cool thing about this place too is that the water's moving. It's not dry cisterns. It's not, it's not stagnant. You know, Think of dirty bath water. That's not what this is about. This is about moving, living water and it's a place that you find refreshment. What's interesting is if you stand at En Gedi and you look just over the ridge, over the mountains, you can see from the distance what's called the Dead Sea or the Jews call it the Sea of Salt. And it looks very inviting. But the mineral content of the Dead Sea is 23%, I think. And you could actually walk into the Dead Sea or the Sea of Salt and you could lay back and you will float there. You could read a newspaper. You don't need a raft or anything because the mineral content will hold you up. Now, you could stay in the Sea of Salt for 10 or 15 minutes. And they, by the way, they ship Dead Sea products, I'm serious, all over the world from Israel because it's good for your skin. And you can come out and your skin will feel really soft But if you fell asleep or you stayed in that water too long, you tried to drink that water, it could kill you. If you stay in the sea of salt for too long, it'll literally suck the life right out of you. So there's only a certain amount of time you can stay in there. But you come to a place like this. Let me ask you, if you were David, would you ever want to leave here? I think I would just put my easy chair up. I'd get one of those funny looking umbrella drinks (laughs) and I'd never leave. I don't care about the wilderness. I don't care about the desert. My oasis right here. I put my umbrella down and nobody's coming into this circle. And life is like that. You know, life is a wilderness. We, we find all these seasons where we get dry and poured out. And then sometimes unexpectedly, God just delivers the beauty of his promise. And he says, look, I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to breathe life and I'm going to give you living water and I'm going to prepare you to go back out into that desert because you're going to have to go there again. My temptation again would be here to stay here forever but, but God, I think, uses and to refresh us so we can go on. Maybe that's where you're at tonight. I don't know. But maybe you needed to come here tonight and hear that, you know what, you, you could relate to David. You know what it means to be dry and barren and and then to find a place of refuge you see this place what it speaks of is god and what's amazing about the description of it is it's called the strongholds of engedi and when we think of a stronghold you think of a fortress you think of a, a place of refuge a place of safety and that's what engedi means and david found two things while he was on the run of all the things we could say tonight he found a friend that reached out to him and, and encouraged him in God. And he found the place that spoke of who God was. And God was saying, David, I, I haven't left you. I know your circumstances are not what you want them to be, but I am here and I will be with you. And my, the water of life will keep you going. Amen. Would you bow with me, Father? We thank you for this wonderful chapter. 1 Samuel 23. It's a, a treasure. It's real. It's raw. It's true. It's where we live. And if we haven't been there, we will be. I heard a pastor recently say about worry and fretting. Worry can't change yesterday and it can't change tomorrow. But Lord, we worry. We fret. We stress out. And we probably collectively, most of us have a lot less pressure on us than David did, but he found encouragement in God through a friend and through a place. But all of that was from you, Lord. It was a message that I haven't forgotten you. and I know where you are. I know your wanderings. I know your heart that's been poured out in Psalm 54. I've heard you. Things are going to work out. But stay here for a little while in this oasis in the desert and find some refreshment. Let me be your stronghold. Let me be your fortress. Let me be your strength. I will hide you and I will refresh you. And Father, how we need that. I mean, you don't have to supply that. You don't have to do anything for us. But you are faithful. So Lord, we just want to pour out our hearts before you right now. You know, we may be thinking about a friend or we may be thinking about ourselves, but wherever we are, Lord, tonight, thank you that you are, (laughs) you are Engedi, You are that place of refuge and strength and refreshment. Would you pour it out afresh on us tonight? Would you just let the buckets of heaven flow? We know you're faithful to fill our cup to overflowing in Jesus Christ. And we thank you. It's supernatural refreshment. It's not something we manufacture. It's something that you just give. And would you pour it out? We're ready to. to we're ready to receive it, Lord. We're ready to give you our problems, our trials, our souls, our difficulties, our regrets, the things we can't change, the things that we worry about tomorrow. Lord, just let us set up an easy chair and speak to our hearts about who you are and how good you are. And, that your plan is good for us and and you are faithful. You've anointed your church. You've called us the people of God and you are faithful to bring us all the way home. We love you and worship you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God satisfies not with water alone, like the miracle in the desert with Israel, but he gives living water for the soul through the Holy Spirit. This is what he wants to give to you and to me. And this is the beauty of the Bible. It takes us right back down to the biggest needs of life. You know, our biggest needs are not what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? You know, we enjoy those things and we certainly enjoy a good meal or, you know, maybe buying a new shirt or a jacket. But in the end, those things are going to perish. What's really going to last is who you truly are on the inside. And the offer comes. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Are you burdened? I will give you rest. I will give you from fountains and from bread that you haven't known before. If you're not a Christian and you're listening to Christian radio right now, God has you right on this station, right at this moment for a reason. Because you know deep in your soul that you're thirsty for something the world can't give and something money can't buy. And right now, My voice has just simply become a voice as though God were pleading through me for you, my friend, to be reconciled to God. God sent his son because he loves you. And he died for you and for me while we were yet sinners. He took our place at the cross and rose from the dead to give us everlasting life. He will satisfy the deepest needs of your soul. You're not gonna find it in wealth. You're not gonna find it in pleasure. I've tried all those things, they don't satisfy ultimately. You can get short moments of pleasure, but in the end, God is the only one who can satisfy your soul. So, you have to open up. You have to have a moment where you receive the Lord Jesus Christ and what he offers. And the way you receive it is by faith. You might say, well, Pastor Michael, here I am. I don't know how to do that. What should I do? It's simply this. The Bible says, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. God's already done the work. The work is finished. Jesus paid it in full. It is finished were words that he mouthed at the cross. It's done. It's paid. All you have to do is receive it as a free gift. It does take repentance. God does expect you to turn away from your ways and your false gods and whatever that looks like and turn to him.